Here at Fantastical Truth, we don't always review fantastic stories made by non-Christian creators, but when we do, it's when that story showcases greater cultural trends, breaks new ground in fantasy world-building, or has such a strange backstory of its own that we simply must comment about it. This story today has all three of those, and for my personal part, it also helps when I have personally invested years in hoping for this story and even crusading for it on the internet, keeping the faith longer than any sane adult that this movie will actually get made. Today, we are putting together a heroic team to explore the heroic majesty of the long-awaited superfilm Zack Snyder's Justice League. Welcome again to Fantastical Truth, the podcast from lorehaven.com. I'm the publisher, E. Stephen Burnett, and at Lorehaven, we find the best of Christian-made fantasy, science fiction, and beyond. We apply the grandeur, the amazing aspects of these stories to the real world that Jesus calls us to serve. Ordinarily, Zachary Russell is with us, but uh, just as I was absent the uh, last couple of episodes, uh, he is actually absent this episode, leaving me to fly this plane solo. Let's hope that I'm worthy of the task, but I'm not carrying this entire episode on my own. As I mentioned in the intro, we're actually putting together a super team to explore this movie that I've been looking forward to seeing for a very long time. And as you'll note in just a moment, we were able to get uh, Austin Gunderson back for another appearance on Fantastical Truth, as well as newcomer novelist Carrie Neitz, uh, who has written many an amazing fantastic story on his own, most of that in the science fiction realm. Uh, he is most noted for Amish Vampires in Space and a couple of other monster-centric follow-ups. He started, however, uh, with the science fiction series The Dark Trench Saga, which is a personal favorite of mine. However, uh, Carrie was a decent, jolly decent enough to join Austin and I to explore one of our favorite uh, fandoms made by others, the, uh, the DC films, and in particular, uh, the DC Universe films made by director Zack Snyder. As you may remember from a previous episode, actually last year, I think it was in May of 2020, uh, we had another episode about a similar topic. Uh, today is uh, sort of a sequel to that. In that last episode, we talked about the unprecedented nature of the announcement of this film, uh, which is the director's vision of the Justice League film, not the version that came out in 2017 that uh, not a whole lot of audiences like. Uh, it was a chopped up version that released back then, uh, mainly uh, the result of studio notes and or meddling and executives who don't seem to get the characters, but uh, it seems that they kind of wanted to sell merch uh, versus uh, some of the more creative side of things. I definitely have opinions on this issue, as you can tell, uh, and a lot of those will come out in this discussion. So if by any chance you're, you're not quite sold on the idea of Zack Snyder's Justice League, all four hours of it. Uh, being a movie that you want to see, uh, but you're open to hearing about why this is something uh, in which Christians uniquely can take interest, do listen on. Uh, keep an open mind uh, just in case and uh, beware any fandom toxicity. And we touch on that a little bit in this discussion. Looks like I've already gone to our concession stand. It wasn't even open yet, uh, but I could just smell the hot buttered popcorn and uh, wanted to sidle up to the stand and stick my hand into the little case. So let's go to uh, that concession stand real quick for a few sweet hot concessions before we get the discussion proper started. Uh, yeah, uh, we don't often review movies. Uh, this is not a Christian geek review podcast. There are so many other portals, websites, uh, podcasts, certainly 
uh, that approach uh, superhero movies and movies in general and fantasy in general uh, from a Christian perspective. A fantastical truth, as you know, uh, we've decided to mainly stick with exploring Christian-made stories and issues of uh, Christian fandom and fantasy from a biblical worldview. We want to leave the more general geek pursuits to other podcasts most of the time, but Zack Snyder's Justice League is an exception, and I don't think it's an exception just because I'm in the fandom. And last I checked, uh, speaking for Zach Russell, he also uh, was really enjoying the film uh, when he saw it. I've seen it twice, by the way. I watched it for the second time, uh, finally, uh, last night. As I mentioned, the other reason is that it's just an unprecedented movement. Uh, it's bigger than just movies. There is an entire fan outcry in response to the studio really seeming to sabotage its own movie, a very strange occurrence. Uh, whereas if you're a Marvel fan and you look at the MCU, which is now, I think, a dozen movies deep and now into its a second streaming drama with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, DC fans look over there and go like, guys, what's wrong with you at, uh, at DC? Like, it's, this is almost like sports talk. You know, you're looking at your home team and you're wondering, why can't we get this together? Uh, the other guys seem to keep winning. And it's not because we don't have good players. We do. We have great players. We have some really fantastic wins. But you look over there and like, why is there no drama over there? Like, why are they just cranking out movie after movie? And we have only a few dozen good ones. Well, what happened was the studio doesn't seem to know what it's doing. And so you start uh, acting like, uh, you know, armchair quarterbacks. Uh, you're criticizing the plays. You're criticizing the team managers. I can't believe I'm getting away with sports analogies here on a fantastic movie podcast. and. All of you sports fans out there can feel free to note the many errors that I've made in attempting the comparison. Anyway, there was an unprecedented fan movement, as we have explored in uh, the previous podcast episode. Of course, we'll link to that in the show notes. And I've already alluded to this movie a little bit in our, our very last episode, uh, talking about the, uh, the effects of grief and suffering coupled with the influence of fantastic stories uh, to help us work through some of those issues. This movie helped me do that. This movie is something I was looking forward to for a long time as a member of that movement, the hashtag release the Snyder Cut movement. The other reason why we need to talk about that now is that this will probably keep going as more fans are becoming aware of how these movies get made and all the politics that go into making them. It's not just creative people suddenly stumbling across large wads of studio money and then being able to make these $100 million movies with you know $50 million budget or however it works. There's a lot of gross human practices that go on in making these kinds of stories. And as Christians, it helps us to practice discernment just to know where this stuff comes from. Uh, if we're observing the realities of what goes on in the world, uh, then we're not just being misled by, by our imaginations as to how easily these stories get made. Uh, there's a lot of mess. There's a lot of idols. There's a lot of contradicting desires that go into the manufacture of stories like this. Uh, which is why I think it is sometimes an advantage just to ignore sometimes or not hold in too high of a regard these giant franchise uh, movies, uh, but to appreciate the work of a creative visionary, you know, whether it's a single director or a single writer of a movie uh, or a single author and a single publisher of a really fantastic book, even if it's by a Christian author that no one else has ever heard of. Finally, with the concession stand, uh, we don't get into a lot of these questions uh, that are behind the manufacturing of the movie and the, the, the attempted ruination of uh, Justice League in 2017 with that two-hour theatrical release. But this issue does cross into questions about creative integrity and the idolatry, and even in some cases, uh, the abuse of people behind the scenes. Uh, there's a lot of actors for the previous Justice League movie that have come out and said, hey, 
this was a high pressure situation trying to turn this from one type of movie into another one at the last minute. The original director left under some confusing and very bad circumstances. And then the new director uh, ended up treating the cast pretty poorly, uh, according to cast testimony later, uh, which uh, increasingly tends to uh, to agree with other cast testimony. So it's fairly well established. And then just a few days ago, the writer of the movie came out and was talking about all of the nastiness that went on behind the scenes and just some of the clicks and uh, a lot of the, the backstabbing that goes on. He was saying, you know, I got blamed because Batman v Superman didn't do well, but I was the one trying to save a dark script by making it more heroic and putting in more light. And then they cut half an hour from the movie and it didn't do as well because people got confused and who gets blamed me. And he said, you really find out who your friends are and who your Hollywood friends are. So again, that's kind of a Christian perspective. We're looking out at the world and we're not thinking about this wonderful place where all these movies, wonderful movies get made and get tens of millions of dollars put into them. And oh, why can't we in the church just do that? Well, doing that often requires a lot of compromise and not just creative compromise, but moral compromise too. I think it's better for us to support the types of films that have good, virtuous organization to them uh, that don't have a lot of uh, terrible controversy behind them uh, any more than you would just over legitimate creative differences. Anyway, that's a lot of the story behind the story. I could just go on at length about uh, why I love this film so much, but I do plenty of geeking out in our discussion with uh, Austin Gunderson and Carrie Neitz. So let's join that interview. All right, we're joined now by author Carrie Neitz, as well as returning Lorehaven Review Chieftain Austin Gunderson to discuss the Snyderverse and Zack Snyder's Justice League, the film for which we have fought like, at times, a fan madmen brothers in the trenches. It is so great to finally <laughs> have you here as we celebrate the spoils of victory. So, Carrie, I'm sure your name is known to many of our listeners. Uh, you want to give a quick intro to remind them or introduce them if they don't know you? Sure. I'm Carrie Neitz, Christian speculative author. I'm probably best known for Amish vampires in space, but I have about a dozen novels in print now, over a million words. They haunt these environments. A million words are keeping him awake. <laughs> Appreciate that with either monsters or sentient spacecraft in a world ruled by Sharia law, which is how... I encountered Kerry Nietzsche's work uh, with his uh, Dark Trench saga and then the uh, Dark Trench, uh, what is it, the, the follow-up series, the Dark Trench Shadow? Yes. Uh, the, yeah. the Kind of the, the legacy series, that's right. And Austin, quick intro uh, for your work uh, with Lorehaven and otherwise. Well, glad to be back and honored to be here with Kerry and uh, you, Stephen. And uh, I'm not in the same league, but I am a huge fan of Zack Snyder's uh, DC Snyderverse. And that's why I'm here, because I was along with you, Stephen, one of the original people who started to speak up and sort of defend Snyder's vision when uh, it uh, was coming under fire from critics. And we're still doing that because it's still coming under fire for some critics. But what is interesting is that now, oddly enough, and against all odds, the Snyderverse is kind of cool. So we're going to have to make sure to avoid the temptations of fame and being in the in-group. I, I think <laughs> we can probably do that. Let's uh, let's real quick uh, first just explain that I'll, I'll just explain why it is us three. Uh, Austin and Carrie and I have known one another for quite some time, uh, met at yeah. various times. Uh, I think uh, Austin and I at the original Speculative Faith blog from which uh, lorehaven.com uh, arose. Uh, he and I were writing a series, uh, I think way back when, 
I think, what was it called? I think I called it Bad Fan v. Superman, uh, which is about some of the critical responses to the film Man of Steel uh, and, uh, and the upcoming Batman v. Superman. We were going through and kind of doing a basic apologetic as to why this story was being unfairly maligned, especially by people who just wrote it off as, oh, it's some grim, dark story. Uh, they're trying to ruin Superman. They're trying to just make Superman another dark Batman and you know, some things that we disagreed with on principle. We didn't feel that these were fair criticisms, even if people didn't like the story personally. Uh, and then uh, I forget exactly how the three of us just started talking, especially, I think, after Batman v Superman came out yes. in 2016. Yeah. yeah. And Austin and I actually saw that together because uh, Austin, you and your wife came down to Texas to visit with us. Really, really appreciate that. It was great to hang out. and. Yeah, that was awesome. We watched the theatrical edition of the film, and even with half an hour cut out via studio mandate, uh, which uh, compromised the story a lot, we now realize, like, even with half an hour excised, we realized, what is wrong with the criticism? Like, I, I understand that this movie is not what they expected, but that was amazing. This was like a movie yeah. made for us, made for Austin and Carrie and myself so real quick carrie uh, how did just real quick how did you see uh batman v superman and, and man of steel and i've already shared a bit of how austin and i but how did what was your first response to uh those uh zack snyder directed dc films i mean man of steel i've been a superman fan like forever so that was like a must see for me you know and and i i i enjoyed it you know it was uh another take on a familiar friend you know kind of and yeah it was it was neat and um you know special effects and just the story and and henry cavill definitely fit the part you know um i do remember more vividly probably the batman versus superman uh premiere because when i i remember going in and having already heard the bad reviews like already heard wow it's just not that good and so going in thinking with my expectations really low and then they're walking out of the theaters thinking that was great what who are these people you know what what i loved it i love that so so yeah so i think that's when we first started talking about it because i think we all had kind of a similar experience of thinking it was going to be one thing and finding out it was something else entirely so the film itself was it's fair to say polarizing uh some have yeah. compared it to uh, star wars episode eight the last jedi in terms of where apparently no one was just okay with it either people really really liked batman v superman or right. people really really hated it and there were folks on both sides of that divide looking at the folks across the divide and saying well you guys aren't true hero fans you're not true yeah. dc fans you, you don't actually like uh, superman or you actually like batman and we over here in my camp, like we, we get these heroes, like you, you guys don't get them. And particularly a lot of people said about the director, well, he doesn't get Superman. He's trying to ruin Superman. I heard that multiple, multiple times. So yes. my question for both of you is, and this is a devil's advocate question. As we, as we move into uh, the first part of our discussion, we'll, we'll do three parts uh, discussing Zack Snyder's justice league, the past, present and future of this fan movement. Uh, the first one we'll call the age of heroes past uh, the victory of hashtag release the Snyder cut, uh, the movement to get the, the full uncompromised version of justice league released. So my question to y'all devil's advocate is uh, why, why do y'all want to see Superman get ruined by a director who only likes grim, dark deconstruction stories? Well, it's interesting because I come from a very different background from Carrie. I'm not uh, uh, an old comics book fan. In fact, 
when I first saw the original, I think it was 1978 Superman film with uh, with Christopher Reeve, I didn't like it because yeah. there were a lot of things that I thought were just ridiculous. Like, you know, the so, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it, but at the end, uh, Superman basically reverses time by flying around the world, which somehow changes its rotation, which, which somehow turns back time, which of course is a major no-no <laughs> in any sort of uh, storytelling because you just sort of, magically undo everything that had happened and and i thought that was right. super lame and so I've, <laughs> I've always i've never really been a superman fan because in my mind he was overpowered and there was no tension in his in his storylines typically you know because he can just do anything so it always becomes about you know well is there a rock that he can't lift and then he lifts it it's like wow i'm just not on the edge of my seat but Zack snyder's approach was to give him a uh, a dilemma that was a moral dilemma. I thought that was really really engaging because the the scenario in Man of Man of Steel that that um, that uh, General Zod, who's you know uh, e- e- equal to Superman in in power, uh, presents is well, it's either the survival of our race, the survival of, of Krypton, but, but that will entail the the terraformation of earth and the destruction of these people that you've come to love that you've been living among and that's a real you know a real moral dilemma plus the fact that azad and the kryptonians are just as strong as superman gave the story real tension and i thought that the 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 fight choreography was was at a level of intensity that i've never seen before yes. in a superhero film and it was incredibly engaging to me and that emphasis on real tension and you know a a story that it might have been you know a war story if it had been on the human level but instead it was on the superhuman level continued into batman versus superman and for me there was no disconnect between those films the one just naturally carried over into the other and batman versus superman dealt with all the with all the fallout from the events of Man of Steel that people complain about. Oh, well, you know, look, Superman's letting, you know, Metropolis get destroyed. How can he, you know, how can he do this? And then Batman versus Superman picks up that thread and, and deals with all the ramifications. It's like, oh yeah. In fact, there were people within this story world that felt the same way that the critics felt. It's like, how could he allow this to happen? That was Bruce Wayne. And that, you know, then leads into a major plot point and, and sets up tension. So, I loved it for that for that reason because I thought it addressed all the weaknesses that I had seen in the past in this sort of story. I must say that for my part, it was a learning curve. Uh, it sounds like uh, uh, both of you all adapted to Snyder's approach to Man of Steel and Batman v Superman more easily. But when I first saw Man of Steel, I literally had done a mini marathon of my favorite Superman films in the weeks leading up to it. I knew from interviews to expect a different kind of story, but I also a little bit later in life, I think it's, it's not like I saw it in theaters for the first time or, or even, you know, got a hold of a VHS tape when I was a child, but I did enjoy and still enjoy for what it is. The 1978 Superman, the movie directed by Richard Donner starring Christopher Reeve. I like it pretty well. And uh, I also like Superman two, not the theatrical version, but hashtag release the Donner cut version. Uh, the yeah. the prototype uh, fan effort uh, to get his uh, vision on screen as close as possible to the original director, Richard Donner, who was fired. So all this has happened before, by the way. 
But then I also watched uh, a, a Superman film I don't hate. Uh, the last time they tried to kind of soft reboot the Superman franchise, Superman Returns. Uh, that's directed by the now, unfortunately, disgraced director, Brian Singer. But I like that movie okay. You know, it, it's a little slow. It's it's meant to be more immersive. It's not a very much of an action movie. Uh, it's no. definitely more of a retro feel to it. But I, I like it okay. But okay, so I have these films in mind, though, in my imagination when I walk in the theater to see Man of Steel. And it didn't help that when we saw Man of Steel in the theater, the, the movie theater had the sound and the woofers turned way up. They had been miscalibrated. And I knew about this because even though I can deal with some loud sound and I'm, I knew it was a very bombastic film, it was just absolutely overpowering in the worst possible way. And I'm so like not a Chris a, Nolan film. Uh, well, a little bit. But in this case, the reason why I know it's miscalibrated is because I, I never complain to folks like, you know, if, if the dish at the restaurant is a little lukewarm, I'll just deal with it. You know, but in this case, I actually went to the theater website and said, guys, something was wrong with theater X on this date showing man of steel with this start time. What gives? Uh, and they at first said, Oh, nothing's wrong with it. You know, it's a loud movie. And I said, no, that was like injuriously loud. And they went huh. and checked on it and they, and they actually came back and said, uh, you were right. Um, so sorry about that. Uh, so I felt pretty vindicated. And then when I went back and saw man of steel a second time in the theater, First, my expectations had been reset, but also it wasn't just so loud. I, I, that mm. experience with the loudness, <laughs> I think, becomes a metaphor for expectations of a film and, you know, and, and what, uh, what you're hoping to see. But uh, I grew to like it, but it took a little bit. Uh, it took a while for me to understand what the director was trying to do. And then that carried over, though, with Batman v Superman. By that point, OK, I'm on board. I've done my homework, but I wanted to do my homework. I understand that you are not just showing a fun superhero movie, but you are deconstructing to rebuild the idea of a movie with these meta human themes. And I use that word meta human, not just in the DC universe sense, but uh, in the thematic sense, these are basic human themes blown up to the God tier or the meta human tier. Uh, in order mm. to explore them in different ways, you know, what would it be like if there really were a Superman, you know, and if there really were a Batman uh, who had gone through this trauma, like what, what if all these terrible things had happened to him later in life? And then he decided, uh, you know what, like, there's no good guys left. Uh, I've, I've, I've got to kill this superpowered alien because wherever he goes, trouble follows. And if he goes bad, if there's even a 1% chance of him doing that, we have to take that as an absolute certainty. We all love these films, and so we wanted to uh, see the see the follow up, Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think my perspective on that is, you know, I've been a comic book fan for a long, long time, and I've seen these characters in many different scenarios and many, many, you know, many different styles, styles of uh, artists and and writers. And so for me, like, I think the criticism you get a lot is, oh, that's not my Superman. You know, that's not my Batman. You know, which typically kind of boils down to that's not the one I grew up reading. You know, you you have to kind of drill down. Okay, was it the one in the seventies you were used to, or the one in the eighties, right. or or the nineties when the Dark Knight Returns? You know, which is really gritty, grim, dark. You know, and and so yeah, you run into that a lot. But I I've had enough experience with it. It's like oh, I I like all the interpretations. You know, give me the Elseworlds idea. Give me the the different takes on it. Give me you know, Batman by gaslight or whatever, where he's he's wearing the goggles and he's in earlier times. That you know, I think that's interesting. 
It seems it takes a particular kind of comics fan to really appreciate the films. It it seems to be someone like you, Carrie, who is open to those different interpretations, you know, who enjoys yeah. the Elseworlds, which is like the what if uh, Clark Kent's rocket actually crashed in Soviet Russia instead. And right. you know, that's called Superman right. Red Sun uh, or or the Gotham by Gaslight, which is uh, what if what if Batman was actually, you know, in an earlier century and he was trying to catch Jack the Ripper, you know, that that kind of thing. Those are fun, and Snyder was not doing that. He was doing a straight take, but also some Elseworld elements, uh, even including this this nightmare timeline that, that was set up in Batman v Superman. Is yes. what if yep. Superman goes evil, yep. which is a common idea, but then you know what if Batman is lost in this you know this post dystopian world and we don't know what's happened, and then there's there's this idea that's been set up during this big multi film arc uh, that the heroes have to prevent this nightmarish timeline. And we, we got more of that in, in Zack Snyder's Justice League. So pretty sure by now, because it's kind of gone mainstream, everyone's familiar with the story. A lot of critics jumped onto Batman v Superman. Uh, they seem to sense some fan discontent. Oh, that's not my Superman. That's not my Batman. Snyder's grimdark. He's trying to ruin everything. Uh, why can't they be more like Marvel? Also, they're right. just trying to be more like Marvel. Some of the contradictions were evident there in a lot of the criticisms. <laughs> so they uh, eventually did a hack job on the uh, the next film, Justice League, uh, which has been well-documented. And if you're, you're brand new to the account somehow, we've got plenty of links in the show notes for this episode. Uh, it turns out they, they ultimately kind of drove out Snyder uh, by requesting The Impossible, a two-hour movie with multiple hero origins and uh, plenty of action and room to breathe uh, and the resolution to all these plot lines and... Also, everything you do is too scary and dark. We need to make it everything more light. So just more, 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 but also less runtime. And finally, <laughs> Snyder, who's suffering from a, a, a family tragedy, uh, says, guys, I'm out. And uh, I'd said earlier in previous interviews, it seems like he wasn't fired. It sounds more like a bounded choice to me. I think that's been pretty much validated. So Snyder leaves. They bring in director Joss Whedon, who's also being discredited. And uh, him also under these impossible orders delivers a two hour movie uh, with half finished effects and uh, a bunch of hollow moments, uh, dumb banter. <laughs> I think we could all agree on that. And, and a lot more people now agree uh, with that now that they've seen the, the, the actual Snyder version. We talked after we saw that theatrical cut, the two hours. And at first, I think we were kind of a little confused. At least my take on it now is we were a little confused, like, well, they said directed by Zack Snyder, but you know, there's enough of him in, in there that it kind of felt like it. But what was uh, y'all's take? Uh, Carrie, start with you uh, upon seeing the theatrical version of, of Justice League, we now call it, uh, that released in November 2017. I, I think I remember that of the three of us, I was probably the most cheery <laughs> though i was it definitely wasn't what i expected i was like well yeah it could have been a lot worse you know <laughs> right right but yeah. um i i think my biggest discontent kicked in like a few days later when i started to read the things that were supposed to have been in there that wasn't you know like things that people had heard about or seen or you know seen storyboards for that weren't in there and and I remember vividly actually being in, in our car and reading, my wife was driving and reading to her and she was like, what? I was like, yeah, exactly. I want to see that movie. Whatever that movie was, that's what I wanted to see. So like I said, I think I was the, the most positive of the three of us, but it was, still wasn't 
what I wanted to see. So learning that there was something else out there was definitely something to rally behind. Austin, what did you think? Well, I was looking forward to seeing what Joss Whedon had done with it because I thought he did a great job on you know, the Avengers. I'm not a huge Marvel fan and I also didn't like Age Voltron, but I thought the Avengers was great and I you know, appreciated some of his previous work like Firefly. And so I thought, well, maybe, you know, it's not going to be Zack Snyder, but maybe it'll be good. And instead, it just felt discordant. Yeah. There would be humor when you were expecting drama. There would be drama when you're expecting more humor. And it just felt like it was all over the map and it couldn't decide what it wanted to be and it failed at everything. And I think everybody felt that, you know, even the critics who were, you know, yeah, adamantly yeah. against Zack Snyder's sort of uh, dark, moody take on, on, on the saga here realized this wasn't working <laughs> you can't just add you know gag lines to a Zack snyder film and have it you know somehow improve it it, it wasn't integral to everything else that Zack snyder was doing in his in his vision it was just sort of tacked on there and 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 pasted in and it, everyone everyone sensed that yeah that's how i felt you know you're in trouble if the credits roll and you just kind of sit there and think <laughs> yeah um okay was that it Uh, and the two-hour runtime certainly didn't do it any favors but also there was just so many dumb jokey moments that didn't even feel like peak joss whedon i mean i i i'd followed the behind the scenes drama i knew that he'd gotten involved i knew of some fan whispers that uh, there was a lot more than just reshoots here folks like this could be a completely different movie with bits that snyder directed all recolorized and cropped differently and recontextualized and then just dropped in to kind of stick it all together. And discordant is exactly the term. Another term I saw in some reviews was this is a Frankenstein's monster of a movie. And it really is. I mean, it's not just yeah. hairstylings and light lighting that changes, you know, from, from frame to frame. Sometimes, you know, you'll go cut to cut from speaker a cut to speaker B and then cut back to speaker a whoa. Uh, something looks a little different, like you know, there's an uncanny valley effect there with the editing, but also just thematically, it was so shallow. Uh, there were entire subplot lines and developments from Batman v Superman that were just abandoned. Uh, the whole idea of Lois Lane is the key seemed to have a very cheap resolution. Uh, Steppenwolf, the villain of the piece, was not scary. Uh, the effects yeah. were just not good. I mean, they, they, the complaints just pile up and, you know, we've been there and maybe it's just better just to move on and forget uh, the, the sad debacle of, uh, of Justice League. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but for me, first time I saw a theatrical, actually the only time, immediately when they showed the scene with Superman being filmed through a cell phone, and oh yes and his face you know i immediately took me out of it it was like who is that who is that actor i it doesn't look like henry cavill at all you know and of course then we come to find out later it was the whole mustache removal debacle part of it but mustache gate this is terrible a terrible way to start a movie you know so yeah everybody knows about the mustache and and it kind of becomes a symbol for the whole thing uh uh, unfortunately i mean Ultimately, it's just it shows some measure of disrespect for Superman as a character and for Henry Cavill as as the actor. He, of course, being as professional as he can, is laughing it off in interviews. But if everyone's asking about the mustache rather than, hey, what does this say about Superman's point in his journey? You know, what's it like yeah. coming back for a second chance at being a hero? And 
you know, if it's just all become so flippant about a mustache and this you know weird effect they use to try to cover that up, then you've ruined the character. You have ruined the movie. You have ruined Superman. Yeah, that's an indication that uh, the movie's not working. If people are like scrutinizing Cavill's CGI upper lip, it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, something else has fallen down here for you to care about that. Right. Yeah. And by the way, I think that that. Uh, that that's the real issue sometimes when people say, well, I didn't like that movie. I didn't think the CG was that believable CG being believable. I think half of that is not about the, the animation or the rendering, but half of that is just the believability of the story. If you're immersed in the story, right. you barely right. notice bad, even bad, arguable, bad CG, right? Uh, some of the CG, dare I say it in the Lord of the Rings probably doesn't hold up very well. 20 years later, and yet most fans are just so immersed that we barely notice or we're just very ready to forgive because we love the story. We love the characters. Uh, we love the people making the story. So we're joining petitions. Uh, we're talking about how we was robbed. Uh, Snyder himself starts leaking some behind the scenes. Uh, there were somehow whole um, early reels from the original movie. Carrie, I think you're referring to that that started leaking. Uh, yeah. The whole uh, scene with uh, Barry Allen rescuing Iris from the car crash, some some uh, early shots of that leaked. And now that we've seen the Snyder Cut, we can verify, yep, those are accurate. Uh, those leaked with early effects put in. And so all of that was originally intended to be in the film, but it's all cut out because we got no time for two or three other heroes origin stories when, when we've only got two hours to tell our movie. So the release of the Snyder Cut movement starts. Uh, everybody knows about that. and ultimately. Uh, ultimately we end up getting our way. Uh, but I, I think we've covered that pretty well and we can move on to number two here, the present, uh, unless y'all have any other thoughts. About leading up. We got our way. <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. So we can just do a victory dance right here. We can, yes. we can sing our little songs. Uh, this is mine. Snyder man, Snyder man does whatever a Snyder can. <laughs> You know, a lot of this is active on Twitter. Fans can get pretty goofy, and I think they're at their best when they're laughing at themselves. They're at their worst when they're being, quote, toxic, end quote. Uh, but I think it actually gets worse than that when people are, like, splicing Snyder's face onto the painting of Jesus. Like, can yeah. we not Can we not do that, you know? And yeah. some of it got pretty weird over uh, Resurrection Sunday. Like, he is risen. Like, guys, Superman's a fictional character. Yeah, please right. don't play with idolatry. Can we just not just appreciate the reflection, but don't don't get all weird. But yeah, uh, so now we get to talk about actually having seen uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League uh, number two here. The present has taken root in the future. On May the 20th, we learned that we would actually be getting uh, the getting the movie of I guess start uh, with uh, Austin. Uh, like how how did it feel like actually going on to HBO Max and watching all four hours of this uh, partisan speech here, majestic heroic epic. Well, I did it over two nights uh, oh, okay. and it's funny because I had, there was sort of a, a bifurcation in my reaction. Uh, on one hand, the story was the, the, the bones of the story were largely the same, yes. uh, which, you know, I was kind of disappointed in that because the surprise is an element that's important. And you lose a lot of the joy that you otherwise would have from the story if you'd already seen a bad version of it. Right. Um, so on one hand, I wished that I had seen this version first and I hadn't seen the, the Justice League at all so that I could appreciate it fully. Uh, but on the other hand, 
I, I noticed that many, many critics were now suddenly singing Snyder's praises. And I yep. thought, you know, it's probably because they saw what this would, I mean, they had the opportunity to see what this would look like without Snyder. And they realized, uh, you know what? We need Snyder. <laughs> we yeah. need the man with the vision to yeah. uh, bring the cohesion back. And that was the thing that I enjoyed the most about the Snyder Cut was everything felt like it belonged. There was no moment where you were like, what on earth was that? It might have been slow at times. It might have, you know, had various issues, but it all felt like it belonged. And it was part of one cohesive narrative that, you know, was was uh, presented by, you know, an auteur. And so I enjoyed it a lot because... You know, it was a it was it was a worthy sequel to a Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. Yeah. What kind of TV did you use? What kind of setup did you have out of curiosity, Austin? I don't remember how many inches my TV is. It's a large one. See, we, we all have to watch from home. This is this is what's yeah. unique about the experience here and, and what takes the discussion above and beyond DC or Snyder fandom, because, you know, we probably would not have gotten the movie in this way if it had not been for the pandemic. Uh, right. There was right. suddenly openings on the schedules of these creative people and these animators and these artists and editors that maybe right. would not have been there before. Uh, who knows? Maybe the film would have released in theaters on a limited basis, but all the incentive now was on making this new streaming service, HBO Max, work. They wanted content. There's a four or five hour movie there either uh, to adapt into a, a mini series or just as a straight up film. And suddenly everything just seemed to line up in place for this to happen. And, uh, you know, God is sovereign over everything. And, you know, maybe even little things like this. Uh, that's 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 a great encouragement. Um, Gary, how did you how did you see Zack Snyder's Justice League? So we watched it on Sunday after released with some friends. But my wife and I sort of did a systems test a few few nights early just to watch part of it, you know. And I think we got into okay. the second or third chapter, and already we're, we're like looking at each other and saying, "This is already better than the theatrical cut. This <laughs> is already, you know." And she wanted to keep going. I was like, "Yeah, no, I don't want to ruin the whole thing." So we waited, but we also watched it on. We have like a projection screen, so we watched it in 128 inch screen you know it was kind of oh helped. you win the tv so, contest yeah, that's yeah. fantastic so, 4k so, is it 4k it, it isn't 4k but you know it, it was oh, okay it was fine it was fine 1080 you know it was, it was fine so um yeah plenty plenty clear so that's uh, awesome yeah yeah it was, it was great and it was it was fun to see i i don't know we'll, we'll probably we we're going to talk about this later i think but i think one of my favorite my favorite scenes some of them were the ones that we hadn't seen before you know like the like the flash scene you know that like that hot yes. dog scene was you know i i loved it it's definitely a fun experience and everybody in the room was enjoyed it real quick and leading up to my brief thoughts um I, i'm curious especially you austin uh the film uh was to a lot of people's surprise lighter than man of steel and especially lighter than batman v superman yeah. there were the link helped to give not only pacing you know slow pacing plenty of slow motion you know as snyder's known for but also lots of character moments. Uh, Wonder Woman with Alfred, the Flash with Batman, you know, the, all kinds of these little interactions that didn't move the plot along, but just were 
wonderful fan happy moments like you know if if we like uh, some noble dark stories you know that deal with the seriousness of gods among men and blah 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 like how, how do we feel about that being a not noble dark like i would describe batman v superman but at times noble bright uh austin yeah i think because superman you know he's the straight man he has to be the the epic you know and same with Batman. Batman and Superman both are not comedic characters. <laughs> no. Unless you're talking about like Lego Batman. But <laughs> or or Joss, Justice League Batman. Something's definitely bleeding. Ugh. Yeah, it doesn't work. You know, right. No. We need we need these characters to carry the weight of the plot. But then you introduce what are effectively secondary characters like Aquaman, right? He's he's a he's just crazy. And the Flash and even Wonder Woman to an extent. Cyborg is more of a dramatic character, but, you know, it makes sense that if you bring together this ensemble, some of whom are just cannot for the life of them take their own story seriously, like the Flash. I mean, I love that his character is essentially the same as what we saw in Justice League, just a little more um, fitting. You know, it, it makes sense that the mood as uh, the, ba- the baseline mood is going to lighten because you just have more types of people reacting to the action right well it, it also being the third movie in a series of films a, a fact that seems to have escaped some viewers who would otherwise know better what to expect uh, it cannot stay dark even noble dark for long uh, that chapter was batman v superman it was in a sense the middle chapter in a trilogy although this was meant to be a four or five film series not including any spinoffs but if you do the dark middle chapter, then just in terms of what you expect as a viewer, it, it's going to get not lighter as in more flippant or you know easier, but it's it's going to start going up. If, if you have an origin and then a fall, which the, the themes of falling and descending and you know the possibility of failure and corruption are all throughout Batman v Superman. Yeah. The only place to go then for a good story is rebirth and resurrection. And we knew that was coming in Zack Snyder's Justice League. But some people, I think because the well of Internet criticism especially had been poisoned and some fans think intentionally by rivals at the studio, I think some of that may have been a factor, along with just genuine fan disquiet uh, with the well being poisoned like that. People were expecting, oh, it's just going to be darkness no parents all the way down uh we're not gonna get uh the the usual you know optimistic superman uh, anytime soon and yet if you were listening to snyder he said that we absolutely would this whole story was meant to set him up and give him that tragic story you know he's already been through the origin and the criticism and the politics he's already died to save the world and now he's back he's he's superman fully formed uh, he's he's definitely going to face challenges again, but not like this. You know, this is a three film origin for Superman. And then now he can be the Superman you apparently expected within the first 20 minutes. That, that moment when he finally comes back in the third act and, he, you know, grabs Steppenwolf's arm and he's like, not impressed. That is is such a ginormous payoff for all of the the tragedy and the heartache that we've been through. And yet we know that that's his personality. And when we see it again, it's just this glorious thing because we want it and he delivers. And we have to go through that valley in order to reach that point where we don't take his personality for granted anymore. It's like, oh, yes, this is the element that we've been missing, right? 
I, I think with regard to what you were saying about the darkness and the no parents, this is probably one of the reasons why critics didn't know what to do with Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman is because it, the, 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 the trilogy here didn't follow the typical sort of blockbuster formula of you go from lightness and then, you know, the dark second act and then the, the really super emotional, you know, climax. It kind of went in the reverse. You begin with the sobriety and the, the weightiness. And then as you introduce more and more characters, they lighten the mood. Uh, people aren't used to that. It's sort of reverse of what they expect. I loved it. You know, I'm, I'm open to new sort of structures over the course of several stories. I don't know. People just want to paint by numbers, I guess. Carrie, I mentioned in our last episode that this story literally helped me. I, I saw Zack Snyder's Justice League with friends literally in between the day when my father died and, and, and the day of his funeral, like about a week, uh, well, about half a week on either side of that. So like, it was an example of a story that I felt like had dealt as genuinely as possible with trauma and suffering and even death. And so it made the return even more glorious. Like I'm, I'm wondering if how you felt about, about that, uh, that, that final weightier return of Superman after Batman V Superman's darkness. I was expecting it, enjoying, you know, enjoyed it quite a bit. You know, um, I, I actually could have used even more Superman. Even with four hours, I could have used a little, yeah. little more. You know, like, I, I don't know if we discussed this before or not, but in, like, the comic book version of Superman's death and resurrection, there, there were sections where you got to see where he was, you know, and meeting with his fathers again, you know. And I would have kind of liked to see that. You know, because they were so integral to the earlier movie. But even then, it was it was great to see you know great to see him again. And um, yeah, it that it was a great payoff. And that like those last scenes, you know, with Darkseid glaring at them through the boom tube. And um, yeah, and and this kind of Epic. idea that yeah, now now they're a team. You know, now they're ready to go. And and I think there's a tragedy too, is that we may not get to see the Superman that people were waiting to see, you know, like I, I want another movie now with yes. him in it and who knows if we'll get to see that or not. Amen. Well, that's, that's in our future. Yes. That's, I mean, I, I think we will. I just, I, I feel similar about that possibility as I did with the whole idea of getting a Snyder cut uh, in the first place. And, and uh, me and thousands of fans and you guys, we, we kept the faith longer than any sane adult. So uh, how, how, how do I know this, Alfred? Faith, Alfred. Faith. Right, right. That's right. literally a thing that Bruce Wayne says in the film. And yeah, in any right. other film, yeah. it would have sounded so cheesy. Uh, it works here because, uh, and that was another thing. We talked a lot about Superman, but I absolutely loved every hero's journey here. But uh, Bruce Wayne, in, in this case, uh, illustrates what people thought they wanted, you know, Batman is a dual, he's a hero with duality. He's got noble motives, but he's also a hero born out of trauma. And that's true of every single origin of, of the character. So Bruce Wayne has fallen deep in the last film. He's almost crossed the point of no return. He's about to pass from being hero to anti-hero to just outright villain. And he's saved by an infamous moment of realization of shared humanity, the infamous Martha moment which apparently the execution is like cilantro. Some people got it. Some people absolutely hate it. Uh, me, I, I didn't see why it would be so 
uh, beloved or hated. Well, I, I mean, mm, that's a lie. I, I actually see how it's beloved because I appreciated it. I can see how it may have maybe hit people in the wrong way, but if you knew what was going on, if you were tracking with the themes, even in the theatrical version, it made perfect sense that that would snap Bruce Wayne out of it. And then once Bruce Wayne is on the way to recovery, uh, he, this great hero who would have fallen so far, uh, is now truly heroic in Zack Snyder's Justice League. He's got a new musical theme and everything. Um, by the way, that soundtrack by uh, Tom yeah. Holkenberg, a.k.a. Junkie XL, absolutely great. exquisite. That was part yes. of what we fought for also. Because he was fired and they brought on Danny Elfman, who wasn't part of the music for any of the earlier Snyder films. He'd, he'd done he'd done earlier Batman films and he brought back that theme throughout all this stuff. Just complete tonal clash. But now all those musical themes are back, but including this this heroic fanfare for Batman. You light the bat, bat signal and you hear this awesome musical fanfare. It just makes you sit there and go, oh, it's Batman, you know, and. Yeah, I'm geeking out a little bit. Um, all the Superman <laughs> themes, there's new themes for Wonder Woman and Aquaman and The Flash and Cyborg. And like everyone is consistent. Like he's actually approaching it more like uh, Howard Shore with The Lord of the Rings, you know, actually yeah. coming up with a distinct theme yeah, for each nice. hero. Yeah, which, by the way, with some exceptions, like with Captain America, Marvel didn't do that. I don't know no. why they didn't do that. They would come up with some cool themes like for Iron Man and then just throw them out throw them away. i don't yeah. get it the theme like for such, iron man and iron man 3 was really cool yeah it seems like such a waste you know and composers do that for a reason you know like that's one of the things i think they do well in like star wars is that they have the themes for the characters and you know kind of when they're when they're involved or whether they're being thought of or when they're on screen based on that theme you know and so yeah i really miss that in the theatrical not having where's the superman theme you know, where's where's wonder woman's theme it's boom, not boom. there yeah, yeah. Right, right right i use wonder woman's theme under duress but otherwise yeah. they bring back the danny elfman batman theme and like okay it's kind of fun to hear that but this isn't this isn't the same yeah. character this is Strong. uh this is michael keaton's batman this is uh kevin conroy the animated series it, it just it didn't seem to fit right so yeah so I loved it. Yeah. Um, it was a cathartic experience, uh, having gone to the darkness and then, and then back to the light. Uh, I, I love these characters. I love this different take on them. Uh, when Superman came back and y'all have already alluded to that crowning moment of awesome, uh, I'm, I'm like out of my seat, which that yeah. didn't happen with the theatrical version, by the way, I just no. sit there and like, Oh, oh okay. I, I guess, I guess we're here. Okay. I guess Superman's back. Okay. Now it's, now it's going down. It happened too and quick. It just happened too fast. You know, everything it, happened too fast. It, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's, in some ways, a bummer that Superman was off screen for so long, but all, everything that happened in that time was important, you know, and was leading and building, sort of building the tension and building the moment, you know, and we just didn't have that in the theatrical at all. It was like, well, everybody's here. Okay. He's, you know, it, it's over. Steppenwolf's a bit beaten and, and that's it. Yeah. You know, was, yeah. So yeah, it just was too quick and too easy to be honest. Yeah. Well, it, it, every good thing about the uh, theatrical edition turned out to have been Snyder's, even the funny parts, yeah. the character driven yeah. jokes. If you could yeah. say jokes, I just say moments of levity or, or, you know, comedy it was driven by character not just people doing generic banter. I think Austin, you made the point before is that unfortunately Whedon or other storytellers at their worst, when they want to put in jokes, it's interchangeable comedic banter that like every character is capable of doing and doesn't even right. really say anything about who they like are. The it's just, you could right. take it out of his mouth right. and put it in her mouth and you would never notice the difference. 
Right. It's a gig. It's not a character driven humor. Um, and I think that gets to the same point about, you know, people want the critics seem to want a formulaic story, at least initially. And I think that's what Whedon delivered uh, in terms of how he cut down the movie, you know, to half its running length. He kept all of the essential moments, right? So that the plot ticks all of the necessary boxes in order to conclude. But it, it was terrible because there was no time for the characters to develop and, and to grow on us. There was, there were no, you know, down moments when we could absorb, you know, who they were or what was happening to them. Yeah. There were some characters like cyborg whose entire backstory was basically scrapped, but even the characters who got, you know, a decent amount of time, they still felt rushed. And, you know, it's not just the plot that matters it's it's everything all the flesh that goes on those bones that's where the story becomes great or just you know formulaic yeah and uh that's what we got to enjoy with the snyder cut austin would you use the word mythopoetic i think i think that i would at least in terms i mean i definitely would for um man of steel and batman versus superman uh i think also for uh the the Zack Snyder Justice League that's what Snyder was after for for certain that's what he was aiming at he was aiming at something of um mm, transcendent meaning something you yeah. know that you could compare to the Lord resonance. of the Rings as people have been doing resonance yes resonance yeah yeah that's a yeah. great word something that yeah. that is poignant something that uh, has layers that you can dig into and, you know, rewatchability. Yeah. You know, another, another moment it was great that we didn't get before was, was Flash's payoff, you know, with his father, right? Oh, like yes. that, oh, like that so was beautiful. like, I, it was, it was really warm, neat moment, you know, and everybody could understand so much better. <laughs> it's just so much better of a movie. Well, I spend a lot of time on, on Snyder Twitter, uh, which is a, a slightly happier place than uh, Southern Baptist Twitter. Uh, which is, <laughs> even that is a slightly happier place than political Twitter. And unfortunately there's a lot of overlap these days, but I can tell you one, a fan observation about the flash that I bet y'all didn't notice in the first, uh, viewing of the film. I certainly didn't notice. Uh, it's his line where he says like it, or it's a uh, Barry Allen comes home and Bruce Wayne is waiting there. And Bruce Wayne introduces himself like Barry Allen, Bruce Wayne, Barry Allen says, like, you say that as if that explains why you've sneaked into my house and you're sitting in my second favorite chair. Sure. The next frame of the meme maker shows Barry Allen sitting in front of the window talking to his dad in the prison. Hmm. That's his his first favorite chair. See? Layers. Oh. Yeah. I did not get to that. Yeah, that's. That's it's good. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Good. And there's there's all kinds of other little moments like that that just jump out. It's it's the writing, it's the uh it's the um the the storytelling, it's the way that they're framing the shots. Like all all of that is meant to communicate stuff to your subconscious even if you don't know it, even if someone doesn't mm. say it outright. Uh it's storytelling through the medium of the movie, uh, not just the dialogue and you know and the action. Uh, every frame a painting and uh, and i think it works and if if you if you understand at least what they're going for with that cinematic language then you're more likely to enjoy uh, any of snyder's films and in particular the dc films one of the impressions i got from uh, this Zack snyder cut uh was that steppenwolf was just 
scarier. Yes. Like oh, I, yeah. I feared him oh, as yeah. a villain. And when he showed up, yeah. I, I was, I was concerned. Right. And I didn't <laughs> feel that at all yeah. in the first movie. And I couldn't no. really put my finger on why, but the more I've thought about it, the more I, I realized it's just because we, we get to see more of him. Yeah. We, we get to see him, you know, uh, conquer more, you know, more people and, and, you know, spread more terror. And we also get a motivation from him, which surprised me. You know, I felt a little bit of sympathy for him because we get to see inside his mind a little bit. And all of that leads to, you know, when he is uh, finally brought down, there's a great sense of catharsis, which was totally absent from the, the Whedon cut. Right. The Whedon cut uh, for, you know, for those who wish to remember, uh, basically had him get a Disney style come up at, Oh, well, here's another villain who's hoisted on his own petard. Uh, hubris got to him like he 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 wanted to instill fear and now he himself feels fear and uh, the parademon sends fear so off they all go it was it was silly it was anticlimactic uh having the heroes join up to send him in a particular state through the boom tube uh back to back to the home where he wanted to go and then he ends up there the dysfunctional yeah. family apparently of this uh you know planet hell uh ruled by <laughs> space devil uh, uh, or it's Austin, what's your term? The, the Lovecraftian horror, uh, the, yeah. the out, out there in the dark among the stars, like that's what he wanted. That's what he got. So there's a poetic justice there, but it's a lot more mythopoetic. Uh, it feels a little bit more Shakespearean actually. Yeah. I, I don't think you could underestimate the design changes too. Like they made a big difference mm-hmm. in how scary he seemed, you know, and I don't know if you remember, but from the ultimate cut of Batman versus Superman, he makes a brief appearance, you know, and yes, I remember seeing that scene and thinking, whoa, what is that? You know, who, who is that? And then we didn't get that, you know, in, in the theatrical. And so seeing that brought back that design, that very kind of imposing design, I thought it's was, it was a great thing. It's great. It restores continuity too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because because the because the head shape is the same, and then you know the 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 opening of Justice League comes back, and you actually see Lex Luthor, uh, in communion with this monster, uh, yeah. using this this weird uh, particle technology. Yep. Uh, it's it just it scratches that continuity itch too. Uh, you want everything to fit together. Uh, God has made us to seek order and consistency <laughs> in stories, in either yes. in real life or in our fiction. Yes. Uh, and so that that is actually uh, a, kind of a, a resonance. There's the word again uh, with that divine prerogative. Uh, it makes sense that we want things to make sense. Uh, anything else about the present before we spend the next uh, uh, ten minutes, if y'all have time, uh, just talking about where we as the as Snyder Bros or whatever uh, go from here? I don't know. I think the only other thing that I might talk about is just this idea. I think you and Steve and I have discussed a little bit before of how Snyder's movies are different in that they they're not like action movies and Austin mentioned this a little bit too it's they're kind of reaction movies like every movie's plot is sort of yes. driven from the consequence of the last the last one or or an earlier part in the movie in the case of man of steel you know and i think that's another thing people aren't used to to seeing you know they're not used to they're just used to plot 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 not oh this is happening because of that that happened way back there you know and and even in our society i think we we often want change, change, change without thinking, okay, how is, what's the consequence of that change? You know, how's that going to affect, if we make this change, yeah, okay, it might make you feel better, but what's it going to bring about, you know, 10 years from now? Every, everything is connected. Yeah, yes, every, everything exactly. is, is interlinked. Exactly. Yep. 
exactly. Well, it's, it's that drive-through understand meaning. But uh, no, Carrie, what I was thinking to say is that we almost got out of you a we live in a society yes, where people I, expect action without reaction or consequence. Right, right. <laughs> Believe it or not, I have that shirt now. So, <laughs> oh, you have the you have the shirt I, from I Jared Leto. The we I do. Oh, yes. that's funny. I yes, can't believe, you know, I did not wear one of my many now Justice League shirts. Uh, I have the one of, from the DC shop, which has the entire league with Darkseid looming above them. Uh, I have, a, I mean, plenty of other DC merch shirts, but I also got the one they did as like a, a fundraiser. It's just as Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, and then I also have the one with the with Superman uh, that they that they use. Yep, there it is. There it is. Uh, you can't see this, listeners, because no, this is audio. Is. But yes, it just says we we live in a society. Uh, Carrie, what was the backstory of that phrase? Uh, was that the one that Jared Leto of uh, the Joker was was? I think Austin the, knows the backstory Twitter's... better than I do. I didn't realize how much of a meme it was. Apparently, it's gone on for decades, and it's sort of associated with the Joker character. And um, and Jared Leto knew that, and so when he was. And he was given a chance to reprise the role for Justice League. He, um, I guess, I think that was actually an ad lib, like that. The scene that we see in the trailer, where he turns around and says, "We, you know, we live in a society where, you know, uh, what is it, honor, honor is a, is a distant yes, memory. memory or something, right? Right, was a complete ad lib, but." And then we didn't get that in the movie. So now we have a a Snyder cut deleted scene, layers upon layers. Yeah, it's a Snyder cut for we need a Snyder cut for the Snyder cut. Release the Snyder cut, Snyder cut. Uh, This could just go on. I mean, it's gone full meta at that point. So yeah, so true fans, folks. We we have the merch. Uh, we 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 know some of the memes. Uh, it, it's uh, I, I, you can't say we're not true fans. We don't like Superman. We don't like Batman. Like. True fans may disagree. Uh, this may be an interpretation that they don't particularly find uh, all that enthralling. Uh, they're welcome we to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, they're very welcome to be wrong and send us letters. Uh, podcast at lorehaven.com, uh, at, uh, at lorehaven on Twitter, lorehaven mag on Instagram and the Facebooks. Uh, feel free to come along and be wrong. Uh, you know, I say in this in, in Christian love, but I, I think I can also <laughs> say in Christian love. And uh, y'all have seen this and y'all have joined me in, in these discussions. Uh, please, if you don't like this story or don't like any other story, like just, just say so it should be safe to say, well, I didn't resonate with that. Like it's okay. Uh, this is a, yep. uh, this is not the offer. It's a disputable matter, but, but let's not go into some of the, the sillier memes, which say, Oh, well, uh, the, the aspect ratio is, is the yeah. wrong one or, or it's the wrong length or, or he's the wrong director. It, there's the wrong color palette. There's not enough color. Like, some of that I think is, is just a cover for, I, I don't get it. I feel left out. Uh, I'm going to bolt for some of these little cliches to act like this movie is objectively the wrong movie. And this has all been proven by the science. Uh, science does not spe- specify uh, a, 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 a moral aspect ratio or a moral color palette. Uh, if the man wants to re-release the whole thing in black and white, then let him. Um, I don't care about the black and white thing, by the way. I don't, I don't get it. Uh, if, if, if you push me, I would call that a little bit indulgent, but I, I also, I guess I get it, you know, plus there's plenty of fans who do get it. So I have to take my own medicine. Here's the director of uh, Mad Max. It was a George Miller. He, uh, he released Mad Max Fury Road, Fury Road in black and white. And all the critics were like, Oh, it's so artistic. (laughs) (laughs) And we mentioned this, we should hit on this. Uh, 
I was expecting Zack Snyder's Justice League to arrive and the fans to go nuts and the critics to begrudgingly admit, okay, well, it's better than the theatrical version, which was a movie by committee, but it's still too long and Snyder is still Snyder and superhero movies are for kids. So can't we just move on? Instead, a rather remarkable development happened, a plot twist. Uh, the variety review came out. Other reviews came out. Uh, the guy who now writes for the RogerEbert.com website and many yep. other major reviewers conceded and not reluctantly, but uh, almost eagerly, Hey, this is really good. You know, some of them had a, Oh, against all odds tone of surprise, but yeah. there was legitimate critical appreciation, which I should have expected because it seems that you can release anything, even a bad movie to streaming drama, uh, to streaming media. And it seems to get a bit of a bump in critical appreciation just because people don't know what to expect. It's not in a movie yeah. theater. There's no scent of popcorn. There's no normal release schedule. Uh, it's it's all unpredictable. So I guess I should have expected that. But critics seem to like it. And then also, uh, I, I guess I, I do need to ask this. Um, what have been the responses from some of y'all's friends and family? Like, like Carrie, you mentioned uh, your family and the folks you were with uh, who may yeah. not have been like, you know, hashtag release the Snyder Cut cultists, but saw and i would wager appreciated the movie anyway i was watching with four other people you know and everybody liked it um one of them was sort of a last minute ad like she had no idea the backstory or even what designer cut was but she was seeing the people talk about it on facebook you know and i say well here's the story and she ended up staying and watching it so yeah everybody liked it couldn't eat popcorn quick enough you know it was a good it's a good yeah. thing so Austin, what, what have you seen from, from, from uh, what, what fans, I think, wrongly call the normies? You know, casual moviegoers, you know, our friends and neighbors who don't have as much spare time as we do and just catch even a four-hour movie in their spare time. I've seen the inverse of the reaction to the theatrical cut. You know, the theatrical cut, there was a small, you know, group of people that said, hey, it was okay. And then most people were complaining. Whereas right. you know, with, right. with the Snyder cut, I would say at least 80% of the people I've seen who who watched it uh said wow this is actually really good yeah there's that there's still that actually which i understand you know this film even with four hours is just more accessible there's more character moments i think they did go in and maybe some studio feedback was valuable here they put in like you know alfred making tea with wonder woman you know or or making a gauntlet uh, that was rather obviously bruce wayne's requisition uh, based on wonder woman's uh energy uh braces Uh, you know just genuinely funny stuff and you know uh, stuff that respects dc lore and and respects the characters but is also going to make the audience laugh and i I think that did help people to access it more despite the four hour length uh the folks that i've seen and uh in my friends and acquaintances like i mean obviously i know i can be a bit annoying i won't shut up about the snyder verse you know because i mean some of that is calculated i know that in my role as a supporter of that particular fan movement, you know, I got to be a little weird uh, in order to get noticed. Like I want these stories noticed. I don't want them drowned in a hailstorm of completely unfair criticism. Some of it sourced by rival creators. Uh, right. I want it to get noticed. I want it to keep going. Even now I want the Snyderverse to keep going. But then I noticed that a lot of my friends were seeing the movie or going back to see man of steel and even Batman V Superman ultimate edition only. And they were saying, wait a minute, like I went back and I watched it and like, it's actually better than I remembered. Like lots of people said that, uh, there was, there was one chap in particular, uh, maybe he's listening now, uh, who, who I, I used to get in some pretty heated fan disagreements with him about that. And 
one can waste time on these discussions, but it seemed to me that this guy was fair-minded. It just was an issue of this was not what I expected. Therefore, it must be bad. Uh, yeah. I think the line that I ended up saying to him was, okay, like, dude, I think I may have cracked the code here. Uh, Snyder is obviously trying to present a graphic novel in cinematic format. Uh, he's Absolutely. not just doing a movie that's based Absolutely. on comic books. Like he, yeah. he wants to show a cinematic version of a graphic novel, every frame of painting. The only difference is this, obviously moving pictures, soundtrack and all that. But the big difference is this. There's no little boxes at the top or sprinkled throughout to share the hero's monologue. You don't get the inner monologue in the Snyder version. No one, with the exception of Bruce Wayne here and there in Batman v Superman, no one's doing a voiceover. Uh, I think that those moments in a graphic novel help to bridge that gap between image and reader uh, that mm. draws you into the character. You hear their voice, you know, they're like, who are they narrating for? You know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you if you read the graphic novels, like, you know, and plus they got some some of them, especially in the Batman series, kind of have this nor detective style, you know, short, punchy sentences, you know, he punches, I dodge, we could do this all night, the rain, always <laughs> the rain, you know, Gotham is always raining, you know. The, kind of there's there's kind of a, a trick to it but snyder doesn't do that you know he, he right, and that's the main to... that's the basic difference between you know novel writing or and screenwriting in screenwriting you can't you can't unless you're going to do an, an, a voiceover narration you can't share the the character's inner thoughts and feelings you have to show it and right. um but a, along the lines of what you were saying about you know snyder making graphic novels on the screen i thought that the uh the segmentation of the movie into what was it five or six parts no, seven total that's right seven. that did really help a lot i thought it? it worked really well because the movie started to feel like a graphic novel to me hmm. you know typically with these super long films you get an intermission but i thought the segmentation it, it it added something i i felt as though there was more of a structure and i know it was artificial you know it's a black screen with a title but I really, I really connected with that, and I and I hope that other directors will feel free now to sort of explore that sort of format, maybe for longer form films, because I, to me it worked really well. It felt like I was watching a graphic novel unfold. Right. I, that also helped really well for practical reasons, because like if you listen to Snyder's interviews, he was even saying, okay. You know, I mean, he's going out of his way to explain it, which is probably necessary to set expectations. There it is again. He's saying, okay. This film is divided into, you know, six chapters plus an epilogue. Uh, you know, each one is roughly, you know, 30, 45 minutes apart, you know, four hour movie. Uh, I recommend you break here or possibly here if you need to take a you know bathroom break or, you know, warm up your pizza or something. So some of that, you know, he's almost acting like, you know, a dad, you know, sending his kids down. OK, we're going to watch daddy's favorite movie, Zack Snyder's Justice League. If you need to go to the bathroom, you can do it here, here and here, you know, but, <laughs> It works. I, I think it, it really works. And Snyder, on and honestly, him and uh, Deborah Snyder's wife and producer kind of have this power couple, you know, parent parental uh, energy sometimes if you watch them in the interviews. Let's turn real quick to uh, number three here, future timeline, hashtag restore the Snyder cut. Uh, from here, we'll go as quickly as possible. Uh, the, the gist of it is, is that soon after the Snyder cut came out on HBO Max, uh, the studio came out and said, well, we're so happy Zack Snyder had the chance to fulfill his vision and this completes yeah. his trilogy. Yeah. And now we're going to move on now and we have all kinds of other play pretties in the box for you. If you just step into the nursery, all you DC fans will be just as happy as if you'd gotten the Snyderverse. Paraphrasing heavily here, uh, in short, fans did not react happily to this development. Everyone was already switching from release the Snyder Cut to restore the Snyderverse. Same metering to that new hashtag. I'm not giving up. 
Uh, we want sequels. We want spinoffs. The uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League set them up. It still set them up. There was very yeah. little they had to change about that. Uh, there's a whole thing with Lex Luthor and Deathstroke and Batman. And then there's the Nightmare Timeline and maybe another Batman movie. Uh, Superman is set up for future growth. Uh, Martian Manhunter is teased. Uh, there's all kinds of other directions they could go in addition to Justice League sequels. But right. if nothing else, we want Justice League sequels. We want at least the one or two more movies that Snyder is going to make featuring this amazing cast. Uh, do you all think we might be able to get that if fans uh, raise a ruckus loud enough because it's profitable uh, in addition to just we want it? Uh, or, or do you think uh, by any chance we should just you know, be happy with what we've got? And, uh, and then, you know, okay, th thank you, kind sir. Uh, and then, and then we all look forward to uh, the the Shazam sequel or something. Well, certainly, we should be happy with what we got because it's unprecedented, right? It never happened before, not like that. So we have to be thankful, grateful for that. But I'm like you. I would, there's a lot of those threads I would like to see finished out. And you know, I think any of us, if you'd asked a year or so ago, you'd say it would never happen. But can you really say that now? Because we just saw something unprecedented happen. And and we know that now HBO Max is sort of the the home for this, right? So they're looking for content. These these streaming services they spend that kind of money all the time on content. You know, they do. You, know, you heard all the talk about oh well, they spent seventy million. It's like well, they that's not uncommon at all for for a series on these streaming services. So you know, who knows? Who knows? I would like to see it for sure. So no reason not to hope. <laughs> One of the things that stood out to me uh, about the Snyder Cut was how many denouements it had, how many endings. Just yeah. yes, every time yeah. you thought it had it, ended, it there was another Return thing. of the King level there. Yes. Oh, yeah. it was ridiculous, and I loved it. And yes, I think same. Snyder foresaw that DC was going to, you know, toss him aside, and he stuffed the ending with all of these teasers. I think to uh, to, to to drum up that desire. I want. A, a nightmare movie you know i want to see what happens next in the storyline it's not over you can see that he had so many cool things planned out and i want to see it yeah i, I, I think, think a lot of other people feel the same way do thousands of people there have been multiple celebrities i saw jake tapper the tv journalist share on twitter earlier uh, i think it was just earlier today he said the snyder cut is fantastic uh, don't at me you know, something to that effect <laughs> uh, multiple different people uh, have have said the same thing uh, there was one uh, comedian who uh, she was watching it and just kind of like what was it oh, what was her name uh, leslie something uh, she was doing very loud enthusiastic reactions while watching the movie don't go there batman you know things like that uh, she's she's posting the videos just over TV in a hotel somewhere, and then uh, Snyder uh, Snyder himself gets on Twitter later and he tweets at her and says like You're the queen, like <laughs> just demonstrating <laughs> his his enthusiasm. I mean, it's free promotion there. Um, yeah. I think we're going to get I think we're going to get sequels and spinoffs. It's just a matter of the studio deciding that they need to do a big mea culpa. Um, Y'all nearly hid this from the world, and in its place, you wanted to swap out a two-hour movie made by committee and thought that we wouldn't notice. We noticed. We know that you messed this up. The best thing you could do now is just apologize. And we haven't even gotten into the <laughs> allegations about, you know, right. uh, the bad treatment of the cast and, you know, and, and you know, possible racism and misogyny, even about some of the actors. I mean, that's another discussion for another time. Uh, the, one of the, I mean, there are multiple signs of hope here. Uh, Joe, what's his name? Uh, Maginello, who's going to play Deathstroke. Yes. Uh, he has been specifically tweeting a hashtag like uh, Deathstroke on HBO Max or something like that. 
Uh, he's not giving up. Uh, the guy who would have played Green Lantern, maybe y'all didn't know this, he joined Twitter just to tweet, hashtag restore the Snyderverse. No one's ever heard of him. He's some theater guy with bit parts to his name and TV. His name is <laughs> Wayne T. Carr, and he would have played Jon Stewart. Warner uh. Brothers said, you can't have Jon Stewart. We've got plans. Snyder said, what plans? They said, you know, plans. Snyder said, whatever. Uh, big it, plans. <laughs> big, you know, big plans. Someday, big plans. You just never know what kind of plans are big plans. You big. Build, build the wall. Big league. Big plans. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean. Kind of a bluff, kind of, kind of <laughs> just, just bluffing there. Uh, it's little signs like that make me think, yeah, we've been here before, but probably the best one was actually James Gunn. Uh, no stranger to controversy him. Uh, he tweets fairly frequently. And of course he's got a ultra violent R rated, the suicide squad movie coming out that I don't particularly care about, but I do appreciate his fan engagement. And someone had mentioned to him before several times. Hey, what about J- uh, um, David Ayer's, similarly sliced and diced ruined uh, suicide squad movie from 2016 and, and james gunn said i definitely support david ayer like he's a great guy I'm, I'm glad to play in the world that he started someone though a few days ago said hey do you think that we would get the david ayer cut because there's a hashtag release the air cut of suicide squad uh after this next movie comes out and james gunn said i think that's a strong possibility huh. which is which proves there's talks going on, even about yeah. that movie, which fans know was also ruined. So yeah, it feels like everybody wants to say something. They're just waiting for the checks to clear or the lawyers to sign off on it or whatever. Like I'm it just, it feels much the same. So I will start to go out on a limb and say that I think restore the Snyder first will be successful. Don't know how long it'll take. Cause then you got to go back to the actors and round them all up and get the gang back right. together and you know, start putting in your, uh, you know, computer animation for the watchtower or Hall of Justice or whatever it is. Right. Uh, it may be a few years, but I think we'll get more Justice League movies. But it may be that even on the lead up to that, we get like a, you know, a character Batman versus Deathstroke movie or something like that. Do y'all want to join me in this prediction or? Well, I mean, we are, we're supposedly we're supposedly getting a Flash movie, right? With the same character and another Aquaman. That's true. And but no Cyborg. No Cyborg no, in so- it. No, but well, I don't know if it's going to have uh, Aquaman and Wonder Woman in it, though. They 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 re, they cast um uh, they cast Iris West, who was in Zack Snyder's right. Justice League. There was yes. uncertainty about whether she would even be in it, but they cast a new guy to play his dad because yeah. the original guy has a TV show and isn't available. Um, yeah. So no one knows whether it's going to even be in continuity. And now, um, what's his name? Who played Batman in '89? Michael Keaton was casting a little doubt on whether he would be in it after all, which that feels like testing the waters to me. And it doesn't seem like this thing is really getting off the ground. So who knows? Uh, Who knows whether like, did someone want that movie to reboot the timeline? Uh, Ben Affleck was going to be in it, but was this going to be his send off or like, will that get revised, re, 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 revised again now that Snyder cut is successful. Right. So hard to know. I just don't know. Yeah. Well, we're still going to get an Aquaman sequel and Wonder Woman 3 and some of these stories, but, you know, we don't know whether those will connect explicitly to uh, Justice League or reference the events. But my guess is that future Justice League movies will probably be on HBO Max, even if they are in theaters. But I would love to have the theater experience again for these things. Yeah, I feel pretty pessimistic. But then again, I felt pessimistic about the Snyder Cut. So it means nothing. (laughs) You did. I may have aired earlier when I said we believed longer than any sane adult. Uh, You you were the skeptic in the room and we needed you. We needed you to stay grounded. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to call it? Do you think we'll get uh, sequels and spinoffs, yay or nay, or mixed positive? I don't know. I, I, I didn't think the Snyder Cut was coming. 
so now I'm I'm just uh, I'm waiting and seeing. I I I, I don't have an opinion. Okay, we'll gotcha. see. That is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is the only issue on which Lorehaven Review Chieftain Austin Gunderson will come across like a squishy moderate. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm sitting on the sitting on the fence, my fence sitter here. Mark yeah. your calendars. Uh, it is an unprecedented event, just like the release of the Snyder Cut itself. Uh, Carrie, any final thoughts uh, uh, as a, as as we close this fantastic fan discussion? Like I said, I don't know why it can't happen. You know, I. I... Again, because because they're now opening up the idea of a multiverse, anything is possible, right? There's no reason multiple Batmans can't right. they're side by side, you know, or or whatever. So, you know, I remain hopeful. We'll see. Yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of time as to when they announce it. Uh, they may be yeah. putting together a giant presentation. There's probably a lot of internal politics because uh, right. there's basically for those who track these things, like unto sports fans. There's a big company named Warner Media. They're under AT&T, and uh, there's two smaller divisions under Warner Media. They are uh, HBO Max and WB, the studio. The studio has the hero characters and originally made the movies. HBO Max wants them. I think they do want them. Yeah. And and the but the but the theatrical release people are like, no, this is our toy, and and we want to make fun movies, you know, that are kind of more like Marvel in order to appeal to the mass audience right. and. Snyderverse doesn't do that, you know. That's that's your niche audience and your streaming. Except it's no longer niche. Streaming is the future. But I also want theaters to stay open. So I'll take the best of both worlds, folks. I liked Aquaman. I was glad that it crossed a billion dollars. I was glad that it was more mass appeal. Um, I saw it as like a big old bloated, fun underwater anime adventure, and I and I I'm so there for that. Uh, I liked Shazam, but it definitely strained its budget. Uh, and it strained uh, any credible uh, attachments to the existing DC superhero universe. Uh, I liked Wonder Woman 84. Um, and if you squint, it's still in continuity, but you do have to squint pretty hard uh, at, at that. And, and uh, Austin, I know you have some opinions on that as well. But uh, anyway, I think that'll wrap it up for now. But really, really appreciate you all joining me in this fandom and this project. So Godspeed to you both. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yep. Thanks, guys. I really appreciated getting to geek out about Zack Snyder's Justice League with uh, Austin Gunderson, our review chief at Lorehaven, and then author Carrie Neitz of Amish Vampires in Space, Dark Trench Saga, et al. fame. You can find links to all of their work in the show notes, and we will also share plenty of show notes, just basic links to other news about the infamous or famous Snyder Cut, uh, some behind-the-scenes articles that support what we've been saying uh, from Vanity Fair and The Hollywood Reporter and such like. Uh, You can also find our previous uh, articles at uh, the the Lorehaven website, as well as that episode 17 of the podcast, What Can Christians Learn From? release the Snyder Cut movement's success. Meanwhile, jumping over to fantastic fans, uh, actually, after I got back from the hiatus, uh, catching up with some of what I've missed on the podcast over the last month or so, uh, I stopped by our page at Apple Podcasts. So shout out to all of you listening to us via the Apple Podcast platform. And I saw a couple of recent reviews, uh, fairly recent uh, reviews that I had not seen anyway. And oddly enough, they were posted just a couple of days apart. So Wonder what happened there to draw the attention of Stage Grandma. Thank you so much for your comment on February the 10th, 2021. Stage Grandma writes, quote, rich content. This podcast discussing fantastical fiction is not only for writers, but for readers and fans. 
The hosts go beyond the typical talk about Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, but dive deeper and encourage the listener to think imaginatively about all genres of entertainment. The podcast is well done. I appreciate the approachable professionalism. End quote. That comment perfectly reflects what we're going for. And I really, really am encouraged to hear that that is going through uh, as a new podcaster speaking just for myself. Like, yeah, I want to be approachable, you know, but if you get too approachable, you just have a lot of ums and let me ask you this and interruptions. And uh, don't you love the podcast, too, where they start off talking about all kinds of people that you don't know about? And so it feels more like you're eavesdropping on the conversation of strangers at a coffee shop. That especially is the case if, uh, if you don't know the podcasters, but I think every episode should stand on its own. Uh, hopefully that's what we do here. So uh, to hear that that's coming across is a great encouragement. Thank you so much for that. Second review uh, comes from Aurorambria. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but I know I'm not. That was posted February the 11th, 2021, and it starts off with the, uh, with the subject line, quote, informative faith-based smart, end quote. That's the subject line. The rest of the review says, quote, the hosts make logical conclusions in an apologist manner toward helping Christian and lay audiences understand how fiction work fits into our lives today, end quote. Again, I'm hugely encouraged to hear that. I'm also encouraged to know that folks are picking up on the fact that this is not a writer podcast, and we've occasionally explored that in the Fantastic Fans section. That is by design. Uh, for one thing, there are, again, many other Christian organizations, uh, blogs, a few podcasts talking about things from the writer perspective. But if we're only writers talking amongst ourselves about writing, we're going to accidentally freeze out the readers. So for all you writers out there, uh, stop by Fantastical Truth to think about things from more of a, a fan perspective. There are always going to be more fans than writers, although I think it is fair to say that most fans of fantastical genre stories are more likely to attempt creating those kinds of stories on their own. Next on Fantastical Truth, imagine that you're ready to enjoy that hot new YA fantasy, and suddenly while you are reading it, all subtlety gets thrown out the window and you notice the social agenda has suddenly taken the driver's seat. Or imagine that you are excited to sample that uh, new popular streaming drama when boom, instead of the story getting Jesus juked, the story gets politics juked. So it's time for you to learn your very good lesson about how racism is bad. Or maybe you're actually learning more questionable lessons. Whether the lesson is good or bad, it's all about the lesson and less about the characters. How can Christian fans respond to that kind of preachy, secular fiction? Here's a hint, not by accusing, but by laughing. Meanwhile, whether or not you want to accuse or laugh or enjoy the heroic majesty of a super film like Zack Snyder's Justice League, let's be open to understanding that God has made all of us as fantasy fans with different preferences, different enjoyments, uh, whether you're a Marvel fan or a DC fan, as I am a fan of both. Let's make sure to have fun exploring the differences of these issues, asking one another questions, and also keeping in mind some of the messier issues that go into the creation of these stories. And let's try in our own way to advocate for healthier creative processes for these stories and definitely healthier ways that we receive and enjoy them as fans as we continue to seek and find fantastical truth. <laughs>